0: You are listening to a podcast taken from one of Radio Maria's many live programs. If you enjoy it, please consider making a donation or becoming a monthly supporter. To do so, visit www.radiomariaengland.uk. It is only through the generous support of our listeners that we continue to be a Christian voice by your side. are listening to radio maria and this is father toby with your word for today on this feast of saint matthew the apostle and evangelist let's begin with today's gospel which is taken from matthew's own writings matthew chapter 9 as jesus was walking on he saw a man named matthew sitting by the customs house and he said to him follow me and he got up and followed him While he was at dinner in the house, it happened that a number of tax collectors and sinners came to sit at the table with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? When he heard this, he replied, It is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. Go and learn the meaning of the words, What I want is mercy, not sacrifice. And indeed, I did not come to call the virtuous but sinners. Pope Francis' episcopal motto, which he chose on his appointment as Archbishop of Buenos Aires and has kept as Pope, reads Miserando atque elegendo. There are differing translations of this, but the one which I think best captures the sense of the words is By having mercy and by choosing. And these words capture for me the dynamic nature of God's mercy that Pope Francis is so keen to emphasize. And interestingly, in choosing this motto, this links this bishop from Argentina with Tyneside and the northeast of England. These words of the Episcopal motto are not taken directly from scripture, but from a homily of the Venerable Bede, who was born near Sunderland and spent most of his life in the monastery of Jarrow on the Tyne. And the homily is on the call of the tax collector Matthew our gospel today and the particular verse reads As Jesus passed on from there he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him follow me and he rose and followed him. And Bede comments on these lines as follows Jesus therefore saw the publican and because he saw by having mercy and by choosing He said to him, follow me. Follow means to imitate. Follow, he said, not so much in the pacing of the feet as in the carrying out of morals. For whoever says that he remains in Christ ought himself to walk as he walked, which means not striving for earthly things, not pursuing eagerly fallen riches, fleeting honours, willingly embracing all the contempt of the world for the sake of heavenly glory, being advantageous to all, loving, occasioning injuries for no one, but patiently suffering those caused to oneself, but seeking always the glory of the Creator, as often as one can raise himself up towards the love of those things which are above. This is what acting in that way is. This is following in the footsteps of Christ. And the key point for me in this message is that God's loving mercy is transformative. There's a debate which seems to be playing out in the church at the moment on this point. On the one hand, there is an attitude which says that Jesus' words of mercy envelop everyone. But the view I subscribe to is that Jesus' words invite everyone from where they are, but into something new. Not everyone will respond, but that newness is life in Christ, as a member of his body, the church. God's mercy calls us to be Christ-like, because to be Christ-like is the only way of properly relating to God. And mercy is about our relationship with God, and that mercy flows out then into all our relationships. Mercy is therefore something much richer than not simply punishing us as we deserve. It is loving us into what we have the potential to be. And I think that's so much more beautiful than the passive notion of mercy we're often urged to settle for. Such a passive notion often boils down to live and let live. It's tolerance by another name. And it's really a form of indifference and it blights so many lives. It's what allows us to see injustice, to feel for the afflicted, but do nothing, neither praying, nor fasting, nor acting in some other way. Other than God, nobody has loved me in my life more than my mother. Yet, and I suspect in this I'm not the only one, she is also the person who has nagged me more than any other, who has given me more scoldings than any other, and who has called me to account more than any other. Why? Because parents, through the eyes of love, see what we can be. They simultaneously love us for who we are and seek to call us to be the best that we can be. More than any other people on Earth, I think it is our parents who are closest to looking at us as God does. The paradox of loving someone so much that you want that person to change is something modern thought seems to find difficult. The nuance of thought required to say that a particular aspect of a person's life needs to change, while still seeing the fundamental good of that person's very being, seems beyond many. I think this is because we've lost the ability to see the basic dignity of every human being by the very fact of their existence. As I said in yesterday's homily, quoting from Marilyn Robinson with the Reverend John Ames looking at his young boy, saying, It's your being I love you for mainly. And only then is he interested in the other things that the son may or may not do. Pope Francis sees this. It's why he would kiss the man famously at the beginning of his papacy, whose skin condition would cause many to not even speak to him. And it's why he wants the church to break out beyond its institutions and bring the loving gaze of Christ upon people on the margins, to look with mercy and to see that the person was made for greatness and to exhort them to greatness by following Christ. Let's now listen to uh, a beautiful reflection on mercy, listening to Miserere sung by the choir boys.